Hello, I'm Eric Chabra of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to welcome back Christopher Ibsen. He's the Chief Information Security Officer of the state of Nevada. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Eric. I'm happy for the opportunity to talk. You recently wrote an article on how state CISOs can intelligently embrace emerging technologies in a transformational model. You suggest they focus on developing four areas, vision and empowerment to act, strong architecture and rigorous security controls, effective intergovernmental collaboration, and effective public-private collaboration. Before we get to those, just briefly tell us a little bit about this transformational model from a 60,000-foot level. It's an observation that I'm having right now, and as you sit back and you look at government and you look at information security, you're oftentimes challenged as a state chief information security officer. What I'm seeing, and this was actually started by a discussion that I, that I heard about three years ago from a former Controller General of the United States, David Walker. He talked about the future state of government. What he essentially said was that we're in a perilous state, and it's a, not a particularly positive message, but he talked about not the fact that, that, that we don't have a budget, but that we have three budgets and we're not following any of them, and without strong fiscal accountability on how we spend, that governments are at risk. From my personal perspective, that really sparked my interest. I thought about that, and I thought about what happens to governments that are traditionally slow to move, slow to change by design, you know, democracies that move fast are not good democracies. What happens when they're forced into changing quickly? Well, we fast forward three years from that point, and now we're in a fiscal crisis. Two years ago, the federal government, we, we, we had a strong fiscal crisis uh, in the private sector and the public sector, and government is still lagging behind. We don't have the resources to do what we need to do. So what we're required to do is transform and that transformation will occur whether we come up with good ideas or not. My presupposition is that we need to embrace change effectively because it's coming, and we need to look at those opportunities that we have in these transformational states and embrace change in a positive manner. And in looking at that, about four years ago, we had a, a brief from NASIO that talked about the transformation state, and the first concept is a sense of urgency. Well, we've got that sense of urgency right now, and it really begs what do we need to do, and those four concepts represent the ideas that I've been able to drive from both the transformational model and juxtaposing it against a state uh, framework. Okay, let's just start discussing them. You first mentioned vision and empowerment to act. What is that? If we're going to transform our leaders, our legislators, our governors, our secretary of states, our attorney generals need to come together and recognize that certain parts of our government can be improved through technology. When I go out and talk to all of the leaders that I can talk to, I ask them three questions. Do you think you're going to have more money going forward? And the answer is always no. Do you think you're going to have more people? The answer is always no. Do you think that the, the service requirements are going to be less? And the answer is always no. So we have more demand your resources, what do we use to bridge that gap? It's always technology. Technology, at least good technology, has that ability to bridge that service delivery model. But without the executive sponsorship of people who are making decisions about the budget, the ability to invest in technology and, and good technology, nothing ever happens. You know, I, I've been involved with a number of projects, a number of great ideas never got off the ground because there wasn't a strong leader behind the process pushing it forward. And even David Walker in his discussion mentioned that the silver lining is that 
we need strong leaders moving forward. And if you look at all of the challenging times we've experienced in history, leadership is an essential quality. Uh, next on your list was strong architecture and rigorous security controls. Having been both an enterprise architect and a chief information security officer, it's, it's interesting to me as uh, the contrasts and requirements moving forward. Strong architecture tells us that we can spend resources efficiently if we plan efficiently for building those systems. And that really speaks also to the business people to say, what do we need to do to define our business as well? What do we need to do as government? And how do we build systems that reflect the appropriate roles of government? Secondly, once we've defined that, we also need to be extremely mindful of rigorous security controls around that data that we collect. We may or may not be aware that governments compel citizens to give them information. When they do that, I believe that it is government's role to protect that information with all of the tools and skills necessary to make sure that it doesn't become compromised. You then talk about effective intergovernmental collaboration. Some of these sound very somewhat superficial. All we need to collaborate as, gov as governments. We need to talk more. We need to work together. One of the constraints of us being effective as an enterprise is if we cannot work together, and I mean cities, counties, and states effectively, then we cannot effectively build enterprise systems. It's critical that in government that we work together. And there, there, there's no incentive for us to compete against each other. In the private sector, if you have one company that does a job better than another, that's called a, a competitive advantage. It's a way of building a business, of building a better mousetrap. On government, our bottom line isn't the bottom line. It is to deliver services effectively. And if we look at the way we can serve citizens better, create a citizen-centric view of building systems, and partner with counties and cities rather than compete with counties and cities, then we have the ability to build systems that reflect the citizens' best interest. I'm really happy to say that in Nevada, we talk all the time. Chief information security officers and all information security professionals, we try to talk at least once every two weeks. And we've, we've got ongoing calls to talk about opportunities and, and shared responsibilities. I know that quarterly our CIOs meet and we, we talk about those opportunities. And, and more than just talking about technology, we, we learn about each other. And I, I think it's a really rich environment for us to, to move forward. Actually, about four years ago, we, we created a governance model called the Nevada Shared IT Systems uh, Governance that allows us to leverage enterprise buy for county, cities, and states, and, and also to develop systems that are in the maximum benefit of the citizens. So it's really an accomplishment Nevada has, along with the State of Nevada Entities IT Association. We meet on a regular basis to talk about our challenges, and we're actually very committed to, to coming up with solutions. So those are a couple of examples of how we've done a, a good job and where it's necessary for governments to collaborate. In some states, there's this great feeling that control should be local. I don't know what it's like in Nevada or not, but would there be resistance at all by giving up certain authorities, or that's not really a big problem? Well, I, I think it's always a challenge. If you're in an entity, you have a mission to deliver a service, and a larger entity comes along or a smaller entity comes along and says, I'd like to 
approach you about how you can improve your business. Unless like any other thing, any other thing in life, you know, we're, we're somewhat resistant to change if we feel like we've got a working solution already. The key for me is is to come up with compelling solutions. If we have a better solution, if it's a more cost-effective solution, if it meets the scrutiny of standardized policies and procedures, if we have effective change control management, if we have rigorous controls around it, why would you not want to participate with it? Speaking honestly, I think that oftentimes people say, well, what's my role in this? And I think that that's one of the key areas that need to be addressed is that everyone has a role in this system, and it's also a role that allows them to be more involved if they if they embrace it more effectively. And I think how you approach the problem, the problem does exist, the challenge does exist, and I think that the way we overcome that challenge is by communicating effectively what role every every IT professional estate has in this common vision, and most importantly, what is the advantage to the citizen moving forward? Finally, there is effective public-private collaborative. Maybe it's just me. I have to admit I had a little bit of a bias. You know, when you're working in the public sector and you say, I'm a civil servant, and I'm very proud to say that I am. At least in the beginning of my career, I thought, well, I'm in the private sector. I don't make as much money, and I'm, I'm doing this for the right reasons and that I've got a civic mindset. And, and uh, hopefully as I've matured through my career, I realize that this mindset also exists in the private sector. And that there are a number of individuals who are genuinely interested in doing the right thing for government because they're citizens as well. As I've reached out to the private sector, I found that my experience was actually opposite of what I thought it would be in the beginning. And I think it's imperative that we reach out to the private sector to say, if there's a capacity that we can't do, we need to embrace your capabilities in the private sector to partner together. One of the things that the recent NASIO rollout of the CISO survey was in terms of the public-private collaborative the assumption was that we could allay risk. You know, the, the the risk is because we don't have the resources where we can outsource the risk and capabilities to the private sector. And I actually challenge that premise in the in the sense that I don't think states can can offload risk. We have a responsibility whether we choose to accept it or not. But we need to embrace private sector efficiently to say, if you can help us with allaying our risk for the citizens, then we need to, in in a more efficient manner, we need to look at that. So this is where the concepts of cloud computing, what's the right cloud, what's the right governance model, what's the appropriate way to engage private sector. I think not to address that, that problem is to be negligent. I think we have to effectively embrace it, and we need to communicate and and continually reach out to the private sector to build effective collaborations. Now, when you talk about the private sector, are you talking about the vendor communities out there, or are you talking about uh, the user communities out there who are citizens of your state? Primarily, I'm talking about the vendor community, but then also the citizens as well. The key for me is how do we do it better? How do we do it more efficiently? How do we own the risk? You know, as a state, we have responsibilities. And one of the things that's critical to understand is in the vendor community, if somebody doesn't do something well and they're not very efficient and they fail, then those individuals who are within that company are the ones who are affected, any shareholders and any workers. If governments fails, the consequences are much more 
cataclysmic. If we have an improper voting system, if we have unreliable systems that leak personal health information, if we have systems that continuously give up identities from a motor vehicle system, then we've got significant problems that run beyond just an actuarial problem, a cost problem. We have problems that affect our democracy. In that regard, it's important that we own the risk, that we build systems that are effective, and that we are continuously to develop best-of-breed solutions on behalf of the citizens moving forward. I think we're living in challenging times. And what's important for us is not to bury our heads in the command line or immerse ourselves in compliance requirements. I think we need to lift our heads up, look at the world around us, and to build a reliable system for government that embraces our democracy moving forward and to, to recognize that we're in interesting times, but there are also opportunities in these adversities. And as we approach fiscal constraints, that we A, we look for leadership, B, that we build systems that have strong architecture architecture and rigorous controls, that we reach out to all of the governmental entities within a state and say, how can we do this better on behalf of the citizens? And also look to the private sector to partner with them in an efficient manner to build enterprise licensing agreements and to, to leverage capacities so that we can all be the effective civil servants that the citizens deserve. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Eric. And that's Chris Ibsen, Chief Information Security Officer of the State of Nevada for GovInfoSecurity.com and Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.